This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Why am I to blame for the wild Because boss? you've been happy about him for the last week or so. Well, that doesn't work. Now I'm not. Good. And Mackey's in Arizona. He's not happy either, and it has nothing to do with the wild, right, uh, Phil? Yeah, that, yeah, that wasn't the only egg that was laid last night, Kenneth. Now launching. <laughs> Good. A rage-filled Friday. My favorite. Yes. Nothing makes me happier than hate. <laughs> we get them six son of a the opening bell. Ring the bell. Eight to shoot. Dame says I don't need a pick. Violets are backing up. Lillard three point range, five to shoot. Dancing his way, a pull back three pointer. Damian Lillard, how dare you! 95 86 Blazers under three minutes remaining. Hi, right, Philip. Hi, Judd. How are you, Phil? I'm like Tom Hanks in League of Their Own trying to remain calm when Evelyn can't hit the cutoff man. Evelyn! You've got to hit the cutoff man. Do not waste your time remaining calm. That is my You've, advice. So uh, if I were Tom Hanks in the Timberwolves League of Their Own, I would say, you've got to understand how good Carl Anthony Towns is in the fourth quarter. Let's have, so just full disclosure, because... Um, I'm in Phoenix here, the Hubbard uh, Phoenix Studios, which are glorious, yesterday and today. And uh, just to set this up, I went to bed before the Wolves game started because it's like an hour, hour and a half in rush hour morning traffic. I had to get up at like 4.40 local time Woo! to make it to the studio. So Yuck. I've been up for a long time. Um, so I didn't watch the Wolves game last night, which makes this even better because we can have fun with the box score, Judd. Yep. Sometimes you don't have, I mean, I think oftentimes you should watch the game to get a feel for what's happening. In this case, the box score tells you everything you need to know. All right. Mm-hmm. Wolves were up by three points heading into the fourth quarter on the road against a good Portland team. Damian Lillard's one of the better players in the NBA. Uh, that's a tough road environment. Hell, that's been a tough road environment for like 30 years. And uh, and and you're and you're looking at maybe even matching up with them in the playoffs at some point. So up by three points against a good team in a tough environment on the road. And Carl Anthony Towns has 30 points heading into the fourth quarter. Yeah, he's playing really well. He also yes. grabbed uh, 17 rebounds last night and had three blocks and some steals yep. and assists. It was one of his best games of the year, and you knew that going into the fourth quarter. Mm-hmm. So in the first few minutes of the fourth, Towns makes a driving layup, fun with the box score, mm-hmm. a couple of free throws, and the Wolves are up by two points with about six minutes to go, 86 to 84, all so, right? So they're onto something here with, with Feed the beast. Towns. Yeah. Feed the beast. You got one of the most yes. gifted seven-foot basketball players in the history of the world, and you've got this thing, maybe not in hand, but you're leading with six minutes to go. Here's the game log, starting at the six-minute mark of the fourth quarter with the Wolves up by two and and Carl Anthony Towns dominating. Yes. Andrew Wiggins. I'm ready for it. Andrew Wiggins missed 23-footer. Andrew Wiggins, offensive foul, turnover. Andrew Wiggins, bad pass, turnover. Jamal Crawford misses 23-footer. 
Andrew Wiggins, shot blocked in the lane from six feet by Ed Davis. Jeff Teague, turnover. Ooh, Blazers. Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague last night. Ooh. 12-0 run for the Blazers. Yep. Now up 96-86. to And Carl Anthony Towns took one shot in the final six minutes. Why? Do you know what this, this is called, This isn't Phil hard Mackey? to solve. Do you know what this is called? This is called a formula for missing the playoffs. That's what this they, is called. This was the start chose, of eight-game stretch. They chose to lose that game last night by going away from one of the best offensive players in the league inexplicably, again, broken record, with the game in their hands. But it's worse this time because there's no Butler. If there's if Jimmy Butler's there, I understand. I at least think I get the confusion on what to do or that Butler's going to uh, spend the fourth quarter trying to play hero ball. But he's not there, right? So this is actually worse to me. This is very clear cut. You have one superstar on the floor last night, correct? Yes. Carl Anthony Towns is your superstar. Everybody else, including Wiggins, is a supporting cast member, and that's just fine. But roles going into last night, how are roles not completely defined? Jimmy Butler's not there. There's no confusion left. Carl Anthony Towns, who, as you just said, through three quarters had been spectacular. So why are we reverting to a box score that almost looks like Butler was on the floor when he wasn't? But here's the thing. Reverting is almost the wrong word because this has been what they've done all year. This is, and, and if it's Jimmy Butler, then Jimmy Butler's playing hero ball in the fourth quarter. Last night... They, they, they didn't revert. They just kept playing hero ball. They just kept playing hero ball the way that they've been playing it all year. And and this is where I think, and I got a couple tweets about this because I was ranting about this before uh, the show on Twitter too. People say, well, you know, if, if LeBron James were to only take one shot in the last six minutes, we'd criticize him for being too, for being too passive. So is Carl Anthony Towns being too passive in the last six minutes? The difference is guys like LeBron James and Jimmy Butler and Andrew Wiggins, they bring the ball up court. So they're handling the ball at the top of the key because they're guards and their wings. Towns starts off in the low block. I mean, he can dribble and handle, but yeah. you have to you have to actively feed a seven-foot basketball player in most cases. He's not going to dribble the ball up court. So if you're if you're Jimmy Butler or LeBron James, you can just choose to not pass. You can just it's pick and roll, get into the lane, and you get to control your own offensive uh, output. And in the case of Carl Anthony Towns, he needs players like Teague and Wiggins and Jamal Crawford to find him in those situations. And either either they're being instructed not to, which I find hard to believe, or they're just forgetting about him, which again is on the coach. Like the coach, you can't watch that happen night after night. One of his best games of the season and have him take one what? shot in the final six minutes. That's mal- that's coaching malpractice. But how is the edict going into this eight-game stretch with Butler out? How is the edict from Tibbs to his players not this? Carl will touch the ball. I mean, it, that's not that tough, right? It shouldn't that's be. That's not that difficult. And by the way... I mean, he's up there yelling things for three hours. He should yell something about Towns touching the ball more. You didn't watch the game, uh, but it was a TNT game. Harlan and Reggie last night. Carl in, I believe, in the fourth quarter or late in the third, uh, goes down hard below his own basket and stays down. Reggie Miller, <laughs> Reggie Miller, without hesitation, proceeds to list the entire group of guys who basically Tibbs has ruined. Wow. So yeah. he starts going down the Derrick Rose, and you've got Butler, and you've got Noah, and you. <laughs> Reggie Miller goes down the entire list. The worst late night nightmare for Timberwolves fans. Reggie's going down the entire list of every player that Tibbs it's, has basically ruined. It's absurd. Like it was. 
It was one of the most frustrating games. It was probably one of the three most frustrating games. And I didn't even watch it, Judd. <laughs> I didn't even watch it. I got the box score right here. I got the like full if, box score, yeah. If I had been watching it, I think I'd be even more upset oh, you'd be because you'd, up be, a storm. you'd be seeing the thing happen uh, in real time. Uh, also, they went four for 20 from three-point range, which... Yes. You know, that's kind of a recipe. You're on the road against a team that can jack threes, or you're going to play Houston at some point in Golden State. So, I don't know, man. It's If you can't figure out how to get the ball to one of the most efficient and skilled offensive players in this generation of NBA basketball, then I, I, I can't help you. So I can't help you. That game frustrated you. This one frustrated me. Well, Max Dormy across. Kanan, he shoots, he scores! Kevin Kanan! It's a 4-2 Coyotes lead. You don't get rewarded for having a really good first period and second period, first 15 minutes of the second period, and you're, you're, it's going to come back to bite you. And it did in the third. They got they got some momentum going, which they didn't have in the first two periods at all. And uh, once they got the momentum, they were hard to stop. They tried to be way too cute. And instead of doing what they've been doing the last three games, they're tic-tac-toeing it and Thinking the game is, is going to be this easy all the time, and it's not this easy all the time. Booge is back. Booge is back <laughs> after that performance last night. So the Wild had won uh, five consecutive games. They go in and play Phoenix, which once again, just like the last time these two teams played, was the worst team in the National Hockey League. 46 points going in instead of now the last the last time they played, I think was February 8th at the X and the Wild uh, blew a 3 nothing lead. It went to overtime and they lost. They didn't even get that far this time. Four third period goals against. And what Boudreaux said about the stall line is exactly right. After four games of praising these guys up and down and how well they were playing and how creative and how great they thought they were the Globetrotters. Honest to God, watching these guys last night, they dilly-dallied. They dilly-dally around the ice. It drove you absolutely nuts. Now it's one game, but last night is the prime example of why, Phil Mackey, of why I refuse to buy in. Because every time you start to buy in, you go into Phoenix and you play a game like that. Drove me nuts. Yeah, uh, I got a feeling that people in Phoenix didn't really care about the win last night. They're more focused on Sean Miller down here and giving him a standing ovation, which is a whole other story yes. that maybe we get to later on today. But yeah, I, I mean, this yeah, this is classic wild. I mean, it's the it's one of the most Jekyll and Hyde teams in the NHL the last few years. Uh, I am no longer not that I really ever have been, but I'm not going to ride this game by game roller coaster anymore. Their only goal for me, should be advancing further in the playoffs than you've ever advanced before. So, like, last night's loss doesn't really irk me, and the winning streak that they went on doesn't really get me super excited because nothing really matters for this team and where this franchise is at until the middle of April, or even, like, the middle of May, really, if we're being honest. The crowd in Glendale last night uh, had so many wild fans that there was one point where the Let's Go Wild chant sounded like the game was being played in St. Paul. I don't think the I don't think they care too much about the Coyotes where you are right now. I think we got a uh, I think what we had is we probably had ninety uh, percent Wild fans and ten percent people from Phoenix who said there's a hockey game tonight. Let's go, and that was about it. Yeah, there are a lot of transplants now. Oh, like yeah. my my Uber driver was from uh, Elk River and North Dakota yesterday, coming back from the the Harvard stage. So um, does the Judbot three thousand feel differently? Like I I almost feel like. I thought you'd be a little more ranty about the game last night. I know it bothers you, but uh, yeah. do we know how the Judbot 3000 feels? Dave, 
Have you talked to the Judd Bot? Oh, yeah, I've talked to him. Yeah, he's got a few uh, thoughts. Yeah, absolutely he does. Consistency. That's all I ask for. That's all I have ever wanted. Tell me, is it too much to ask a hockey team to at least beat the worst team in the league once in a while? Hmm. Instead, I have to watch this bunch of underachievers puke on their shoes and lose to the Coyotes twice in three weeks. This is absolutely sickening. <laughs> it's unacceptable. And it is the exact reason why I am the way I am. Judd bot out. <laughs> Judd Jud Jud bot out. He's going Rome? Did he just peace out? Is I, that what just he's happened? He's going Jim yeah. Rome. I feel like it's gone to his head. Judd bot also very upset, frankly, about the way he's been treated around yeah. here. Judd bot feels he deserves an apology. Just three days ago, Judd and his little partner were mocking me for a lack of unbridled positivity after the Wild beat St. Louis. Well, fellas, do you see where that kind of attitude gets you? Do you see what happens when you let down your guard with this team? Do you see what happens when you expect good things or, at the very least, a respectable effort against a team that has no business even competing with you? You get what we saw last night. You get four goals against in the third period. Shame on you both for not only falling in this trap yet again, but also for disparaging my vast hockey knowledge. I know this team. I am in their head and I don't like what I see. <laughs> Shotbot, we're why, really sorry. Why, I feel like... He's I don't know, I feel like he needs us. a therapy session. He just needs an apology from the two of you clowns. Oh, I just said yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, Judbot out? He's taking he's taking a page from the Jim Rome playbook. Listen, I don't feel like I've disrespected Judbot. I I don't know. I Well, I mean, we did say all we said what was after they beat at St. Louis and scored eight goals that Judbot might have skewed a little bit negative for how good that game was and now he's upset. Uh, uh by the way, oh. uh, your friend Hugh chimes in, loyal listener on Twitter here and says typical Judd overreaction. Stalock wasn't good last night, so the Wild lost. It's simple as that. Oh, that's incorrect. Stalock allowed, I thought, one bad goal. No, 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 Hugh. Hugh, Hugh, did you watch that game? Did you see the third period? You want to put that all on Stalock? That's ridiculous. How easy is that? Let's blame the goaltending. It's all the goaltenders. I mean, your fault. pads are big enough. You shouldn't allow that many goals. That third... I'm kind of with. I'm kind of with no, you. No, 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 no. Stack the pads. No. In fact, you know what? Boods, again, I like this line. They tried to be way too cute, and instead of doing what they've been doing the last three games, they're tic-tac-toeing it and thinking the game is, is going to be this easy all the time, and it's not this easy all the time. Yeah, it starts with the stall line, Hugh. It you know starts what, Judd? with that attitude towards the game. Judbot was right. I'm sorry, Judbot. So this is, this is again, you know, hockey is amazing. I, I think maybe it's time to shuffle lines. What do you think? I think maybe it's time. I think the team could really use a spark. Maybe shuffle the lines. What do you think? Mm, okay, let's move the third. Shuffle them up. Let's move Ennis from the third line back to the first line. Let's move the first line right winger back to the fourth line. Yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Shuffle them up. I think that's, that's a great That's what always works. The Mike Yo strategy uh, for years hey, and years. Shuffle them up. I want consistency, and you want Tibbs to mandate that they feed the ball to Towns. I don't think we're asking for a lot on this show. No. Uh, no, I don't think so either. So let's uh, we, we let's take a break here and come back. We have uh, some 1500 ESPN related broadcast news when we come back, and uh, we'll announce that. And also Mike Zimmer. So we did basically a full show yesterday on how open and honest Mike Zimmer was at the NFL Combine regarding his quarterback situation. He said something else that we should decipher that we really didn't get to yesterday. And if you thought it was just the Jets and the Vikings for Kirk Cousins, apparently and reportedly there's another team, quote, all in on Kirk Cousins. So there's competition. Plus, 
It's Write That Down at the top of the hour at 10 o'clock. Derek Wetmore from Fort Myers. We're going to catch up with Charles Robinson, who uh, is reporting on said Kirk Cousins topic in the 10 o'clock hour, too. So plenty to get to and a game show Friday. Mackie and Judd. Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie down here at Hubbard Phoenix. Mackie and Judd are back. Here it is. On 1500 ESPN. I think we finished 4-4-2 four, four at the back end the last season, the last 10 games. Shows you we were being competitive. We have to be competitive throughout the year this time. Not, you know, give ourselves a mountain to climb with the start that we have. But uh, I'm quietly confident we're going to be okay. Do you want to deliver the breaking news film, Max? Sure thing, yeah. So we had a, we had a blast last year. We had Adrian Heath on our show a number of times. And, you know, Jamie Watson and Callum and... Uh, we had a good time hosting the uh, radio rights and the broadcast, the games of the uh, the new MLS soccer team, Minnesota United FC, and we are proud to announce as a platform, 1500 ESPN, a multi-year agreement with Minnesota United, bringing them back on board. Mm-hmm. And uh, just I'm going through the press release here. There's some more details uh, that Chris Wright announced on behalf of Minnesota United yesterday. So Brian, is it pronounced Brian Piet? Piet, it's a name I've seen a bunch of times on Care 11. does a great job. Uh, so he's going to host the pre- and post-match shows for each game here, starting, by the way, this their season starts uh, tomorrow. Tomorrow. Or what's the day? Tomorrow, the 9.30 third. at San, San Jose. Jose. Yep. Yep. And so uh, he's in the mix. And then uh, radio play-by-play will be handled by a familiar name, Dan Tehar, who obviously is from Minnesota. You remember him from Wild Broadcast. So uh, that fills out the broadcast team. I know Jonathan Harrison has done a great job behind the scenes producing, and he'll continue to produce the Crafty Rogues, which has been a big brand for us at 1500 ESPN. So we are your home for Minnesota soccer again in 2018. And you and I, I think we've been, we've been pretty honest that going into this thing, starting with the World Cup a few years, Years ago, we don't know a lot about soccer, but we've had fun learning about it and talking to Adrian Heath and just diving in as fans, like everybody else here in the Twin Cities, Judd. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I am uh, super excited actually for not only this year but next year because I, I think uh, as we talked to Cosgrove a couple of days about the new stadium is going to be really, really cool. So that's, exactly, that, that's going to be a fun transition when that happens uh, next season. Yeah, I had a chance to sit in uh, one of the the, the pre meetings before this announcement was made and just s- sort of got more of the lay of the land for the stadium. And what they it's going to be i mean target field obviously is a bigger footprint and you can put 40 50,000 people inside target field but uh this thing's going to be really cool it's going to be very much catered to craft beer lovers and it's going to be a place where you can engage all in on a game or you can just go to hang out and that's going to be obviously in 2019 but we will be on board with them as they transition to the new stadium so we're looking forward to it Exciting news. So let's uh, let's get back to uh, the, the combine yesterday. Mike Zimmer talked about the quarterback situation. And just to be clear, we were getting those comments via Twitter and various forms of media, Phil, and reacting as they came in. Now we've had more time t- to digest them. Let me play a couple sound bites from what Zimmer had to say about the quarterback situation in Indianapolis on Thursday. Teddy is a guy that two years ago played fantastic. Um, we thought he was a very ascending player. Obviously has a um, terrible knee injury. <clears throat> um, don't get to see him play in, in real live action in you know, basically two years. 
So there's the question with him. The question with Sam is, you know, two years ago he plays in 15 games, starts, plays well. Um, this year he plays in one game and gets hurt, and so you go back and look at his track record. And then, uh, you know, you go back with, with Case. He plays outstanding this year. <clears throat> and you go back and you look at, you know, what he's done in the past and what he's, what he's at this year. And, and then really what we have to try to do is figure out what is the best, what is the best um, scenario for us and understanding that, you know, trying to answer these three these questions on these three guys and try to go from there. I feel very confident, really, in all three guys. I love all three of them. They're great. They're great people. I love how they work. They understand how we do things there as a team and the way we go about our business. <clears throat> and, um, you know, it's important for myself and Rick and the organization we pick the, the right guy that is going to help us to continue to move forward. <clears throat> if we don't do that, then I'll probably get fired. Your thoughts with <laughs> with a day to digest the comments, which did include him saying, "If this doesn't work, I'm probably gonna, going to lose my job." Well, I think he. <laughs> I love Zim. I'll um, get fired. Bye. See you guys. I want to know, like, I, I and I was reading some of these yesterday too. I think he's overanalyzing the quarterback thing. I because because like he cited the Vikings, I believe, a thirty and four record when scoring at least twenty points, and said he doesn't. You know, I don't want the quarterback situation to harm anything and you know okay we're not going to be able to do this or that financially or whatever reason like I just want my defense to be good and I it's like dude you're not going to be the 2000 Ravens and I, I there has to be a little self-awareness here that there's there's only a few maybe not even a, a full handful of teams in the last 30 or 40 years in the NFL that won the Super Bowl just because of defense. And I get that he's been one of the brightest defensive minds in the NFL for two or three decades now, and he deserves a ton of respect for that. And he has brought the NFL's worst scoring defense when Leslie Frazier was fired up to number one in just four short years. So he deserves all the respect in the world. But more often than not, along with your really good defense, you need Russell Wilson or Ben Roethlisberger or Tom Brady, right, to be your starting quarterback if you want to win the Super Bowl. So I, I understand where he's coming from and that he doesn't – I think what, part of what he's saying is if we pay $30 million for Kirk Cousins, is that going to prevent us from being able to build the defense that I have been accustomed to here? Mm -hmm. And if so, I don't want to sign up for Kirk Cousins. And I would say you probably can't win a Super Bowl by just patchworking quarterbacks year after year unless you have that much faith in Teddy Bridgewater overcoming a catastrophic knee injury starting in 2018. I think his angst is a little over the top. I think he is very torn in this in this realm. He was definitely brought here uh, because the Vikings had, to a large degree, failed to develop QBs. And so they said, okay, if we can't develop QBs, we're going to try and get a guy who's a mastermind at stopping them. And so he was brought here for defensive purposes. And now he sees this sort of uh, flipping on him, and he's being told, because it sounds to me like he's being almost, they're trying to convince him, Mike, Cousins is going to work here. It's going to end our problem. But this goes back to what we talked about before you left town, which was I'm becoming more and more convinced that the Cousins conversation and, and the Cousins fan club is, let's say, Spielman and Wilf who have been here for a lot longer than Mike has and have seen how many quarterbacks that they have tried to draft and or sign, failed to develop and or, in Favre's case, just age on them. So it's almost like they're trying to convince Zimmer, hey, Mike, Cousins is going to bring stability to a position that we haven't had it at for a long, long time. And Mike has said, okay, that's fine, but you hired me to stop quarterbacks. And yeah. and if signing Cousins costs me, let's say, Barr or Kendricks or a defensive player, 
I don't want that. I sense in Zim a guy who is is very torn and who is in some ways trying to be convinced that the Cousins path is the best path to go down. And he's th- he's thinking to himself internally, okay, that's fine unless I lose defensive players who are key to stopping well, Rodgers and Stafford. And, I mean, at some point you got to look around the NFL and look around the NFC. Of the 16 teams in the NFC, how many of them have what you would consider tenuous quarterback situations? I mean, the Cardinals don't have one, so you can put them on the list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the Bears have Mitchell Trubisky, and the jury is way out on him still. The Giants are getting there now. Right, but they still have a guy who might go to the Hall of Fame in Eli Manning. Well, and sure, if you but put I'm together, saying... Put him with, with Pat Shermer, and he might be really good for the next couple of years still. But that's pretty much it. There's so many... The arms race in the NFC in particular is uh, out of this world with quarterbacks. And so you can sit there and you can load up your defense and you can go into the trenches and say, all right, you know, we can we can do this with almost anyone, with a hobbled Teddy Bridgewater, with career backup Case Keenum, because we have this defense. Well, guess what happened? You went in, you played a home playoff game against New Orleans, and you ran into one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time who brought that team back in the second half. And if it wasn't for a miracle play that's never happened in the history of the NFL, you lose a home playoff game. And then you walk in and you face a well-oiled Eagles machine that rolled through you by 30-plus points. I think last year was the chance to win it all with defense. But they weren't good enough or didn't plan enough to win that road game against the Eagles, and who knows what would, what would have happened if they played the Patriots. Sure. So I think it's okay to say we still think this is a defense-first organization, and Mike Zimmer, no one is questioning your defensive acumen, but you can't go in with, especially with the way the NFC is lined up right now, you can't go in with a ton of uncertainty at quarterback, or you're just going to be, a, and that schedule the Vikings have to play, or you're just going to wind up a pretty good defensive 9-7 and seven team that might miss the playoffs. you got to load up more at quarterback. Right, but we are talking about a coach here who still skews so heavily to the defensive side of the ball, and I think that's the problem. I also think when it comes to uh, Zimmer, part of the issue is this. He was the defensive coordinator for for the Bengals for years, right? Most of that time was spent with Dalton, who yeah. is not who is not a bad QB, but but who is a stable QB. And then he gets here, and you know, keep in mind, Wilf buys the team in two thousand five. Spielman comes here in May of two thousand six. Um, Mike arrives, and they draft Teddy. And if Teddy doesn't get hurt, Mike thinks I, I had my QB. So I don't think that Zimmer is fully cognizant of the instability at that position that Spielman is. Like, I, I think he looks at, at things and said, well, I had Dalton, and then I had Teddy, and, and Teddy got hurt, but Teddy was on track to be pretty good. We can find a quarterback. And I think Rick says, no, Mike, you don't get it. We've tried drafting them. They either stink or get hurt. We've yeah. tried signing them. They don't work. And so I think Rick's approach is, Cousins, no matter how much we have to pay him, as long as it's not completely outrageous, gives us a chance at, let's say, a five-year period of stability. Mike says, that's fine, but the problem there is I want to focus on defense, and my background has been being around quarterbacks who have stability. Rick doesn't have that. And I I would actually, uh, to what you just said, you brought up Andy Dalton, because Mike Zimmer spent a long time in in Cincinnati, and those were perennially top 10 and top 5 defenses. I'm not sure if they ever had a defense in Cincinnati that was as good as the Vikings' defense was last year. But that's I mean, that's a point in Rick Spielman's holster that he can pull out and say, listen, let's look at your career as a defensive guy. You've had Andy Dalton, Case Keenum, and a rookie Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Bradford. So you've never had a bona fide 
trustworthy quarterback. Now, I would argue that Sam Bradford, when healthy, is actually better than Kirk Cousins, but he can't stay healthy, so we can split hairs there. (laughs) What if you would have put your defensive expertise in Cincinnati with a top-10 quarterback? Or what if last year, um, you know, instead of falling behind early and your quarterback is just incapable of bringing you back on the road down 10 points, maybe you have a guy who can who can open it up and and um uh, and and make that 17-7 game a closer game in halftime whatever it may be like take a shot with a bona fide quarterback of course the comeback from the the Kirk Cousins critics is going to be do we know he's a bona fide quarterback and i think in this infrastructure he would be and i think zim says oh, okay i'd be more than happy to do that assure me or can you assure me that you can sign Barr, Kendricks, Hunter and Waynes and they're probably like well we can't assure you that no and so i it's just I think it's it's really important to keep in mind that, that no matter how much Zimmer talks about being more involved with the offense, he is still a defensive guy. Yeah, and that's uh, his main concern. I've got let's let's break here and come back because there's a, there's more we can dive into here. The Vikings have poured so much into their defense, even financially. Uh, there's another thing. I, if if I were Rick Spielman trying to twist the arm of Mike Zimmer, saying let's get more stability at quarterback here. Uh, There's a couple cards he can play. Also, on Kirk Cousins, if you think the Jets and the Vikings are the only two teams in the mix, well, Charles Robinson is reporting a third team is, quote, all in on Cousins. So there's definitely competition. Mackie and Judd, Judd in the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie down here at Hubbard Phoenix. Phil Mackie, Judd Zolgad. Odd combination. Yeah, well, so are my parents. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. I feel very confident, really, all three guys. I love all three of them. They're great. They're great people. I love how they work. They understand how we do things there as a team and the way we go about our business. <clears throat> and um, you know, it's important for myself and Rick and the organization we pick the, the right guy that is going to help us to con- continue to move forward. <clears throat> if we don't do that, then I'll probably get fired. <laughs> he can't help That's himself. Zim yeah. can't help himself. I just love that stuff. I, think I it's mean, I, I, I mean. If you go into any professional coaching job and don't think that you're probably going to get fired, then, like, how many coaches wind up not getting fired? Bill Belichick's not going to get fired unless this blow-up behind the scenes continues. Like, pretty much everyone gets fired, mm-hmm. right? Unless just, you win a bunch of Super Bowls. I just like the fact that, that there was really no reason to drop that in, and he just did. Yeah. Ah, then I'll get fired. So here's the... If I'm Rick Spielman trying to twist the arm of Mike Zimmer... To say, listen, we need some more stability here. Uh, I get that we all love Teddy Bridgewater, but Kirk Cousins has thrown for 4,000 yards three years in a row. Yes, he's he's certainly not a perfect quarterback, but you know he's right in there in that top 10 mix. And if you put him into this infrastructure, this is a better organization. There's a ton of offensive weapons with Dalvin Cook coming back, and he doesn't have to score 30 points a game because you have a great defense, Mike. we got to bring this guy in to give us a better chance. And Zimmer's going to say, which he said yesterday on the record, quote, I want to be really careful taking away from our strength defense and saying, okay, we're not going to be able to do this and we're not going to be able to do that anymore because of financial reasons or something else. I would tell him last year we spent more money on defense, actually six or seven million dollars more on defense than offense. And that includes paying a quarterback like you paid Sam Bradford 17 million and combined you paid your quarterbacks over 20 million. And despite having a, a pretty you know competitively highly paid set of players at that position, you still spent more money on defense than offense. I would tell him, look, it might be that we spend a little more money on offense because we're going to have to pay Kirk Cousins, but you're the best defensive mind in the NFL. Make it work. If 
you know what? If you, if you have to lose an Eric Kendrick or Tom Johnson or somebody at some point, and Tom Johnson's a free agent, you're smart enough, and we're gonna we're not gonna stop drafting defensive players. You're just gonna have to find a way to make it work. And maybe instead of having the number one defense, maybe it's the number five or six defense, but with a better quarterback and passing game, that should be enough to win a Super Bowl. That would be my pitch if I'm Rick Spielman to Mike Zimmer. And I think that pitch is a pretty good one, except the issue is this. I think that Zimmer always comes back and says, but you brought me here for defense. I built this. And he wants to keep... I still think if you were to sit down with Mike and have um, three glasses of wine, I think after glass number three, he would admit to you that he largely still, still sees himself as a defensive coordinator first and a head coach second. Mm-hmm. So uh, your pitch makes sense to me, but I think he's going to revert back to, Rick, you brought me here to to take a defense that was really bad and make it good. I did that. And, and when you look at guys like Wayne's, Kendricks and Barr, those are, in my mind, Mike's draft picks. So those are guys that he told Rick, take these guys. Yeah. So so what you're saying, I'm not arguing with for one second. It makes sense to me. I think in his mind, though, he's thinking, no, I'm here to stop Rodgers and Stafford and good quarterbacks. And if signing Cousins, and I also think, and I might be wrong here, but I also think Mike's love of Teddy Teddy is the one quarterback that he really, really likes a lot. I think as a rule, quarterbacks seem to drive him crazy. Like, I think Case drove him nuts. And and I think I think Mike Zimmer sees quarterbacks like Mike Tice saw kickers. A, <laughs> a necessary evil on your football team, which is well, a, how about like, how which about a bad like way all, to approach it. Well, I'll expand that. How about, like, all Vikings fans ever see kickers? Okay, that's very fair. But it, it's just and, – and the one thing, though, where, where I would take issue with Mike is when Zimmer says, if it doesn't work, I get fired, I don't think that's necessarily true. If this doesn't work again, I think it's Spielman. I really do because because if, if they don't make the – if the quarterback position doesn't work again, Phil, think about the yeah. – think about of all the things that Rick has done well – Think about the long list of the one thing he hasn't, and that goes back to the most important position in football. That's a great point because you know I don't I don't think Rick Spielman's on the immediate hot seat, but if he no. gets placed back on it, quarterback is going quarterback and lack of playoff success, which kind of go hand in hand in the NFL. Those things are going to be right at the top of the list for why the Wilfs would make a change at that GM spot, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're Spielman and, and and he's you know these guys pretend like they don't listen, but he's heard the offensive line criticism, and we st- we brought up two years ago on our show, you, you and I are the ones that uncovered the fact. I mean, not uncovered, but like we're the first ones to put it out there. To, right, we were the first ones to put out that. They've only drafted three offensive linemen in the first three rounds since like 2006, and one of them was Ryan Cook. Uh, and so, like, he hears that stuff, he sees the writing, and so he fixed the offensive line, and because the offensive line needed to be fixed. If he's up in the air at all about the quarterback situation, he's going to fall back on what you just said. I've been here for 10 years, and it's been a revolving door, whether it's injuries or bad luck or just going veteran to veteran, a Brett Favre to a Matt Castle. We gotta we gotta find somebody in his prime and stop this carousel. Yep. We gotta stop it. Yep. So so I think in the room, Rick Spielman wants to make a full run at Kirk Cousins, and Mike Zimmer is saying, "I don't mind Kirk Cousins, but what's it gonna do to my defense?" And Rick Spielman will win that discussion ten times out of ten because he obviously gets 
if I could steal a phrase from curling, he gets uh, the hammer. And tell me this, too. How many times, because, uh, you know, as we've discussed on this show uh, on several occasions, the Wilfs are not afraid to spend. I mean, they will go out and spend. How many times uh, since they bought this team has there been a Kirk Cousins-type QB available on the market? I'm trying to think. I mean, it's rare. Yeah. It's really rare. So how, how many times, as they've tried to solve this quarterback dilemma, have the Vikings actually gone onto the open market and identified a guy and said, you know what, this is a clear cut in their mind, number one guy. Yeah, it never happens. Yeah, it doesn't happen, right? Never happens. Uh, Nick chimes in here on Twitter and says, and this is this kind of goes with what we're saying, Cousins with Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph, Cook, etc., and then 80% defense in drafts, and that could be one of your compromises. You could tell him, all right, so we're going to have to spend more money on quarterbacks. It's possible this contract with Kirk Cousins will prevent us from re-signing somebody, Anthony Barr or whoever, but to make it up to you, we'll go back to going two out of every three players in the draft defense, and maybe that starts this year. Maybe the compromise is, Mike, I think you're a great coach. We're going to sign Kirk Cousins. He wants to come play here. And to make it up, instead of drafting uh, an offensive lineman in the first round, we're going to take that defensive tackle that you really love from the SEC, uh, the guy that you think you can mold. We'll we'll throw you a bone there so that, you know, all things are even. I could see that. Yeah, he's just got to – I mean, at some point in time, though, Mike's going to have to to start to get, get his head around the fact – that that no matter how much quarterbacks might drive him crazy, if you don't have one, you're going to be in, in this vicious cycle of the best you're going to do is probably a playoff berth, and you might win a game. But I mean, you're not going you're not going to consistently have success if, if you're trying to get a quarterback who is just okay through to a Super Bowl. You're not going to win one. Mm-hmm. So and and I just I don't know he what he got the job in 2014, correct? So you might never be able to convince him that Mike, we love what you do defensively, and it's very important. But there's a whole, you know, a whole di- different side of the, the football that we have to address here. I don't know if he's not going to get that or not. But that is the one thing that somebody's going to have to say: if we can get Cousins, and we really truly think he's the guy, and we don't pay a ridiculous sum, but we pay a lot, we're going to have to do it. Yeah, I love reckless speculation. I really do. Can we just rename the show? It doesn't even need to be Mackie and Judd anymore. Like, like, reckless other, speculation? If other people want to host... Reckless speculation! Like, that's what they should do. Like, they should. It, we should just call it... In fact, forget about 1500 ESPN. Let's just... Can it be 1500 R-C-K-L-S? That's too many letters. Reckless speculation! 1500 R-K-L-S. Let's make this happen. You're listening to The Wreck. Yeah. Well, that's well. That that's already true in many ways. That's a perfect name for us. We could just switch it right now. Oh man! I think reckless speculation See, with no regard for human life. I would argue that we walk the very fine line, though, uh, of trying to suss out quotes and comments that we hear, and, and so it's it's somewhat reckless, but it's almost an informed type of reckless. Because, I mean, we're taking what Zim said, and it's not too hard to look at what Zim said on Thursday and say, okay, no, I know exactly what he's saying here. What gives me the most joy is Patrick Royce hate listening to us off and on for four hours every day. I got up. 
I went and brushed my teeth, went to the grocery store, stopped over and watched the minor leaguers warming up on the backfields, and you guys were still recklessly speculating. If you talk about Cousins one more time, <laughs> if I have to hear about Kirk Cousins one more time, I'm going to yeah. puke. In fact, I did puke, and then I turned your show back on. All right, who is the other team that's all in on Kirk Cousins? We'll do that. And we'll, we're going to talk to Charles Robinson, too, who wrote the story in the 10 o'clock hour. Write that down at 10 o'clock on this Friday. It's a game show Friday, so we're going to give away some prizes later on. We'll get a Fort Myers update from Derek Wetmore. And uh, is Matthew Collar on the show today, or is he traveling? That's a very good question. We might we might do a combine thing, too, with Matthew Collar, but we'll check on that. Mackie and Judd from uh, TCL Broadcast Studios is where Judd is. I'm at uh, Hubbard Phoenix. We'll be back in a couple minutes. Mackie and Judd now continue. No way. You can't just stroll up and be welcomed back by everyone. Hey, welcome back. On 1500 ESPN. Minnesota United is back and starting the season this Saturday. That's right. Kicks off tomorrow in San Jose. You can tune in at 9 o'clock for the pre-match show. Kickoff is at 9.30 and all the action all season long is right here on 1500 ESPN. Bridgewater. Keenum. Cousins, you might be sick of hearing about the Vikings quarterback situation, but we're still talking about it. Let's keep beating it into the ground with some more reckless speculation. And why not? Zolgad back here in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Phil Mackey at the Hubbard Studios in Phoenix. And uh, Phil, you have some more what might actually might not be reckless but very informed speculation from our guy uh, Charles Robinson of Yahoo Sports. This is very informed speculation. This is not, uh, you know, this isn't just throwing stuff at the wall here. This is when Charles Robinson comes knocking on your door, he's got information. He used to, <laughs> he used to cover college sports. Didn't he cover the Penn State scandal, too, for oh, Yahoo he, back in the day? Yes, and he's a go-getter. He is good. Yes. He, he will so make I, your life miserable if he needs to. We've had Charles on the show uh, a number of times. He'll actually join us in about a half hour from right now. And he was plugged in to the Adrian Peterson stuff, the drama, the falling out with the Vikings and the Cardinals and stuff. So here's what he had to say on YahooSports.com late last night. Kirk Cousins is the all-caps target for the Denver Broncos. Kirk Cousins has become an all-in target for the Denver Broncos when free agency kicks off on March 14th, two sources familiar with the Broncos' free agency plans told Yahoo Sports. Whether the Broncos will have the salary cap capital and sales pitch to land Kirk Cousins remains to be seen. Sources told Yahoo Sports that the Broncos have examined scenarios to potentially open up between 40 and $50 million in cap space this offseason. I think they're sitting around 20 or 25 right now. Yes. But but the key to a deal is expected to hinge on a variety of factors, including the number of years in the contract, overall guaranteed money, and the team's foundation for success, and possibly the city itself. Here's more. As it stands, the Broncos are expected to have two other significant competitors for Cousins, the Minnesota Vikings and the New York Jets. The Cleveland Browns can't be ruled out, but Cousins landing there would be a significant uh, coup pulled off by that franchise. Ultimately, the determination within these teams could be determined by the structure of Cousins' next deal, which may not end up looking like the classic seven-year contracts that typically are signed by franchise quarterbacks. Instead, Cousins could end up seeking a deal as short as three years or four years 
with salaries that are almost fully guaranteed each season. So like a four-year deal for $110 million or whatever, whatever the math is. Such a deal would be attractive for Cousins, giving him a concrete commitment and the ability to go back and negotiate for another big deal just before his 32nd or 33rd birthday. This is coming from the Cousins camp. It has to be. Well, it has to be, and it's, it's very— Because it can't come from another camp, a team camp, or it's tampering, right? Yeah, yeah, and it's very juicy because of this. When you hear this, if you go with the Mackey and Judd baseball pitcher plan, you would love this. If you're a team, this would be great. Three or four years as opposed to six or seven? Absolutely. But here's the difference. In the in the salary cap league that Cousins plays in, you're talking about asking for a, a lot of guaranteed cash. You're asking for that in a short time period. And think about it. When when a really good cap guy like Brzezinski with the Vikings does a does a contract, think about how much they push the cash around. So like they guarantee you X amount, right? And you're going to get paid that. But as far as the total contract goes, you start to get very creative. And and let's say three or four years in, you restructure that deal. Well, the Cousins camp is saying, no, 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 no. We want three or four years, and you're going to pay us. And then and then we're going to, uh, if he's playing well, go back and get a second bite. So so if th- this is a non-salary cap league, this is a great idea. But I can see what the trepidation is going to be because you become much more limited in what you can do in a salary cap league with a contract potentially like this. So I would be fine with a three, let's call it a four-year deal, but all the guaranteed money is in the first three years, and then the Vikings would have the opportunity if they wanted to trade him or cut bait or whatever. And I say that, this is going to sound crazy again, but if Aaron Rodgers is available in two years, it'd be nice to have options. It would be nice to have options. So, if, so if you Kurt, sound like the boyfriend, I mean seriously, I mean you're cute, but your friend, I mean, I know she's married now, but that marriage is on the rocks a little Listen, bit. And, I mean, if I got options, if Mila Kunis is about yeah. to be single, honey, I'm sorry. I mean, Susie, uh, she's cuter than, than than you. I mean, let's just face it. Yeah, but if it's a three year contract and you're going to guarantee like eighty million dollars or something, so he's going to get paid whatever twenty seven million dollars a year mm-hmm. to make him one of the highest paid quarterbacks. I don't know if you'd balk at that if you're the Vikings, and 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 if the report is correct, and and th- this is coming from the Kirk Cousins camp, because not only are teams not supposed to be having these conversations with agents, even though they might be, they certainly wouldn't leak it to the media so that they could be traced back to somebody. Um, but here's another angle: if we're right that this is coming from the Kirk Cousins people, because it's very specific financial details and speculation. If you're the agent for Cousins, you don't just want two teams involved. Of course you want the perception that the Broncos are involved and maybe the Browns too. Because if you're talking with Rick Spielman and you know that the Jets are a pretty crappy franchise and you can kind of lean on the Cousins camp and say, all right, right, we're going to give you a lot of money and we know that you're not going to sign with the Jets because you want to win football games, right? Well, the Broncos, the idea of the Broncos is very similar in that, yeah, we had a bad year last year, but we just won a Super Bowl recently. Our defense is still one of the five best in the NFL. There's still weapons all over the field, and it's a really nice place to live. Yeah, you know, it's Denver, and they're desperate, absolutely desperate. But QB I'm saying, was. like, yes, but yes, and I, but I guess what I'm saying is, if Denver is a smokescreen, it's a really good smokescreen and one that you'd want to latch onto if you're an agent. I don't think it's a smokescreen, but but I looked it up today. So so the salary cap space for the three teams that are going to be uh, supposedly competing. Now, the uh, the Browns are first, but I think the Browns are out. I don't think there's any way that the Browns sign Cousins. 
Uh, the Jets have, according to what I found online this morning, $90 million in available cap space. The Vikings are ninth in the league at almost 50, which is very good. The Broncos are 18th at $28.3 million. Now, can they cut guys and free up some space? Yes, they can. But if you're, but to me, this becomes pretty clear. If you're Cousins and the Jets, Vikings, and Broncos come to you, the Jets and, and Vikings are clear-cut favorites in my mind. And, and now it comes down to if you really want to win, are you going to go to a Broncos team that you think could be good again but is coming off a terrible season with sort of an unknown coach, Phil? Or are you going to go to the Vikings who were 13-3 and three and, and have a known uh, coach and a defense that is just as good or probably better than the Broncos? I'm well, going the, to the Vikings in that I, case. I am too. Division makes a big difference. I know people are going to immediately point to Aaron Rodgers and say, "Why would you want to? Why would you want to sign up to have to go head to head with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time?" But I would, I would come back and say the Chiefs are always very good in the AFC West, and uh, Philip Rivers is still going to be playing for a couple of years. And the, the the Chargers were the Chargers almost made the playoffs last year. They won nine games, I believe. They got hot at the end of the year. Yep. And Derek Carr is probably going to be the franchise quarterback in Oakland for the next decade. So it, there's no pu- the pushover team right now is the Broncos until they get a quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, the the Vikings without a quarterback are not a pushover, and the Packers have shown that they because the rest of their roster is so eroded, and they don't have a defense or a running game, they can be beat even with Aaron Rodgers. And then the Lions and Bears, until they prove otherwise, are still the Lions and Bears. So the, the NFC North, I think, is the easiest path. When you compare the two divisions, so if the money is equal and the Vikings are better, and the NFC North is a little easier to jockey for position in, um, it, the Vikings are still number one. But adding a third team, you know, it obviously decreases the chances. For someone tweeted in that the Washington Post is the latest publication to report that the Vikings are leading in the clubhouse for Kirk Cousins, like whatever that means before before. They can negotiate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's too much steam on both sides, Vikings' interest and Kirk Cousins' interest for the Vikings to not be at the top of this Oh, it's list. real. Yeah. Yes. It, it the, o- the only thing is, and I, I would love to know, it's real, and I think it's very, it's very Spielman and probably Brzezinski-driven. I would love to know, though, if Zim is, like, sort of for this, if he's pushing back a, a lot. But I really, I really think the key conversation here is if you sign him, I want my guys back. And to your point from before, I think they're going to have to say, well, we can get most of your guys back, Mike, but I can't guarantee you that we're going to bring every one of your defensive guys back. Yeah, That's going to be difficult. Yep. So we'll talk to Charles Robinson here in about 15 or 20 minutes and get his thoughts on, on handicapping the race, some more reckless speculation. I'm just going through some of our listener predictions and write that down. People who have emailed Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com with write that down predictions. Yep. There are some piping hot ones in here. Home runs? Couple home run swings. Nice. Matt S. with a home run swing. Uh, Paul S. with a home run swing. So we'll do our write that down predictions when we come back and an accountability session. Judd in the TCL broadcast studios in the Twin Cities. Mackie down here, Hubbard Phoenix.